Welcome along to the Wise Wednesday podcast. We have a defeat to talk about as Sunderland continue their poor form and everything we were telling you not to worry about. We're starting to worry about ourselves. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Joining myself and Gareth Park is Craig Clark. Hello, Stephen. And Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. You? Just are you comfortable? There. Are you cosy? You look cosy. I've got a hat on because my hair's doing me head in. And, uh, it's It'd be a nice problem to have just... that. It's just weird, though, it? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, how many years have I got left? Who knows? In, deep into the 30s now, so, you know. That's, but, the, reason uh, you grew, that's the reason you grow your hair, isn't it? Just like I did, oh, I did. The I let David it grow Seaman, quite long. The David Seaman effect, like, he, uh, when you he got asked why he had a point early, he said, well, just because I can still grow hair and I'm making, I'm <laughs> making the most of it. You're not deep when into you, your 30s, are you? Well, I'm 35 next year. See, that's not deep. So. That's pre-mid. Deep, I mean, you're halfway in. You've got fewer years left in your 30s. No, you've got six years now. if you're 35 next year. That's not deep. I'm 37. That's deep. That's too far into the 30s, <sighs> if anything. That's, uh, all right, Stephen, Stephen's about... How old are you, Stephen? About 60 or something. Um, <laughs> um, as deep as you can get into your 30s. <laughs> Without being 40. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly where I am. So what we've been doing clearly for the past few days since, uh, or the last couple of days since we lost on Saturday is thinking about our age, mortality, because mm. life is just still really weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. that, Sunderland it's a, losing just makes you re reevaluate these things. Well, yeah, say, say absolutely. what, Saturday, like, you know, talking in previous pods about kind of the match day routine and all that at the moment. Mm. Saturday was the first day, or Saturday, Sunday, was the first time I felt annoyed by the football since it's restarted for us. So the first time it's really, I felt as though it's like affected my weekend. Like when 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 you go yeah, to the game and down. all that. I was down about it. Um, <clears> it definitely like, <throat> it's different this time. It's like, as we were saying the other week, it, just, it feels as though you can... Switch it on and switch it off a lot easier. Whereas, like this weekend, which is kind of nice in a way, because it was at least nice to be annoyed about the match genuinely. <laughs> having an emotional, it was like having an emotional response <laughs> is quite nice in a way. But like, obviously, ultimately yeah. depressing. The um, wrong one and the wrong kind. I mean, well, that's yeah. it. It's like I don't feel as though I've had like a euphoric moment watching Sunderland this season yet, even though we've had like no, in spite of the weekend's defeat. A reasonable start of the season. We've, we've. I think it's easier to be depressed or watching it in the house yeah, yeah. than it is to be euphoric because euphoria definitely speaks to a more of a collective sort of collective shared thing, where it's oh, something yes, bad and you you're watching it alone during a generally <clears throat> quite depressing time. <laughs> it can just make things feel a lot worse. I know exactly what you mean. The highs don't feel that high so far this season. Partly because the football's not exactly scintillating, but also because the, you don't have that like stadium experience. All the stuff that goes with feeling mint, like going out after and like feeling really buzzed about it or whatever, you know, all that stuff's just not there, is it? Well, wait, remember um, after the after when you're playing kind of awful football and you lose yeah. when you're playing awful football, it's really easy to get annoyed by that because especially because of the level we're at. Because you, you still, I know it's the third season down here, and Cameron Jerome's had his say about like where we're at as a club. 
on Twitter <coughs> after uh, absolutely annihilating our back. Where's he been though? He's been in Turkey or something playing like he's just doing nothing so he can keep his trap shut. Wait, and he's just been biding his time to get, us, get his it time, up. Yeah. Do us like, troll us online. I've scored three and <laughs> seventy in the Premier League and now I'm gonna go to Turkey and then come back <laughs> and like score against Sunderland and then like do an aggressive tweet at half past one in the morning. <laughs> I mean, you well, thought obviously euphoria is different in... for him. You know that that was that was his vibe. To be weekend. honest, it, it it's not often you see when players do things like this. It's not often you actually like say that the other team's got bang average players because it's the know, whole play, it's a whole players union thing, isn't it? So yeah. like you, you you know we used to now saying oh, I don't know Sunderland think there are like in this you know you get used to where you are coming here like that Wickham. Dickhead who, who did it last year, oh, yeah. but like they yeah. they all stopped short of like criticising our players and stuff. Where he was just like full of bang average players, well, like the day after he's I'm played being, them. Like, let's remember so, though, well, like, like, the the fact that in victory he was even quite sort of bitter in a way. Kind of probably tells its own story. Uh, in in you know what I mean, like. And it kind of bears out like that we are still actually quite a big club because he wouldn't do that after beating any other like team in the league, would he? Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. It, it's on, it's mm-hmm. like that's exactly it. When all these all these people make feel the need to make these statements, exactly. when you think, well, if 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 what you're saying is true, then you wouldn't then make you wouldn't these statements exactly. at the end of the you game. You wouldn't need to say anything. You've won. Yeah. You know, mm. enjoy the money. You know the thing mean? for him is as well, I mean, he's missed out on a chance to do that in front of people. So, you know, if if what he says is right, um, and you could argue he's certainly based on Saturday, bang average might be a bit of a compliment to some of them players. <laughs> um, but what he's saying is, but you're basically playing a collection of League One players, you just happen to be doing it in a big stadium. Because all the other factors that come with Sunderland weren't there on Saturday. The, the crowd, the fans... The things that make Sunderland Sunderland and make that game a big game for him are totally absent. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, he's right. You're just playing a bunch of players who are League One players. I mean, they're not. Let's let's be honest. Like MG Dons he... are not even a proper team. It's like they're a stolen team. They they stole their identity from somebody else and then changed the name and moved it to a different part of the country. I mean, I just think like. And obviously, we, when we did the fan zone, it was interesting. Actually, last year, Stephen, when we spoke to some NK Dom's mm. fans, and it was interesting because from their perspective, and history starts somewhere, doesn't it? It's an entry point, and like for those people we spoke to, they can't remember anything other than having MK Dons in their city or town as the team, because obviously mm. they were just. Born when when it happens, sort of them. The history's irrelevant, and so somebody listening to this might think, "Oh well, you you know you're bitter or whatever about the result." <laughs> but it it's I mean it is like for people who are over like thirty, you kind of it's difficult to take MK Don seriously, which kind of makes the result at the weekend even more difficult to take from our perspective because it's <laughs> you know I know there was a lot of like hyperbole about. You know the the result in the previous weekend against Mansfield, but this definitely felt it was another another low point. You can't you can't be losing at home to M, like MK Dons like in a league. Fixture. Haven't won away from home in a year or something. Oh yeah. well, it, oh, yeah. since September yeah. twenty nineteen, they haven't won away game. 
I think they've taken nine yeah. points from seventeen games away from home or something, and, and like we get beat off them. So it's not acceptable, and I was a bit disappointed it's not, it's, after. It's not. A, it's not. I, like it's not. I wanted. I wanted to hear. <clears throat> like we've talked about, the manager building players up and protecting his players before, but I would have liked this weekend to see a little bit. Of, that is not an acceptable result for Sunderland. Yeah, and like Jack Ross did it a few times. He generally did protect his players, but when it was plain to see that what had happened that afternoon was not acceptable, he said it, and that it wasn't acceptable. Like it, you don't even say like, don't even look for positives <laughs> in the performance, even if there were any, because no, you, it's you, not the you time can't for deny, it. It's not the time for it. There were. He said you can't deny. That there were aspects of that game that were good. We played all right That's for about eleven minutes, and then that was it. Like, <laughs> that we we started quite well and looked quite bright. Um, even though they kept on, we were quite open. I thought. I thought, um, and they were they kind of seemed yeah. to get get in behind a few times early doors. And I was a bit worried, thinking these keep on getting in behind and winning corners and that. Even though we've been quite bright, we don't want to let them do this too often because it'll come back to bite us and ironically I mean it was two set pieces including the penalty that that did for us um, it wasn't even open play or anything like that we just give away stupid well I think you could argue the penalty, penalty summed up the afternoon in yeah. a way you know it's like an awful slice that goes back into the box so you know you deal with that properly that this doesn't happen so it's one yeah. wild swipe that goes wrong, followed by another one that takes a player out who's going nowhere. Obviously, he's not trying to play the man. He just happened to because yeah. he was frantically trying to get rid yeah. of the ball. But like their players running away from goal, so it's just a, it's just calamitous, isn't it? And yeah, I uh, and and I think that's summed up because we did. The thing is, we did have chances a two-one down to level that up. And then to probably go on and win the game if we got uh, got level because they they were spent as an. I know they had the yeah. one tra- chance at the end, but that chance probably. Well, even if it did come again, they, they didn't score it, and they're not going to score every chance they have because, as we've gathered from their record, they're not a very good team. But uh, uh, you know, Parkinson did kind of. The one thing where he did have a little bit of a dig at the players, he certainly kind of singled Grig out for for it in in, in this regard. Was we have to be more ruthless. Now, Greg obviously missed the worst chance, but Hume had chances, um, yeah. and and others as well. And uh, you know, it, well, it's just not good enough. It's, it's every, it's every, it's every game, and I mean, we, we might as well get onto the Greg thing now. A couple of points on that. I mean, we're not going to stick up for Greg. We we've had Griggs back here really, and. Um, you know, he's, he's done us, hasn't he? We've been cheerleading for him, and then uh, well, that fair, was his moment there. But it's like you know, if, if, this, if this was a movie, that would have been like that would have been in slow motion that bit when the ball came across to him there. I mean, uh, you have after to. We've been cheerleading, almost like you know, like you know, like Rob Schneider in the Adam Sandler films, like you, you can, can do, do it, it well, like <laughs> constantly, <laughs> constantly having his back when like um, when everybody else is, is getting onto him, and then. It's, it's ironic just, that, well, co- coincidentally, because people want to now cut his head off. So, uh, to quote the wow. same character in uh, in in uh, the Waterboy, um, yeah. <laughs> I think I think what was impressive about that miss is that it didn't go out of play, um, which you know is a solid effort, really. I mean, how he didn't manage to it was 
easier to score than it was to make contact with a ball and for the ball not to go out from that position. Um, <laughs> but I think I said this yesterday on on the social media um, that I actually thought if you're playing two up the way we are with the strikers that have accompanied Wyke this season I would argue that Grigg generally looked quite comfortable and they looked quite all, they looked alright um, I didn't think Wyke had a very good game generally um, but I thought in terms of the way you know they played like what Grigg played generally was, was fine Um Compared to when we've had like I think O'Brien. the first the first ten fifteen minutes he looked he looked like he had the bit between his teeth and he was coming back and he was he was taking the ball off defenders and that's a similar kind of performance application what what we've seen um, in, in to the whole game um, but you do wonder now if you, there's just I mean at least from his perspective there wasn't a crowd there to sort of grow. I just think and sort <clears> of, look at the misses you know, look at the misses all this season what had just happened to him. But look at the misses this season. Well, We've had yeah. some people like O'Brien in that, and he'll, he'll be the first one on, or he'll get he'll be the change. He'll get a goal, <coughs> another goal, another goal. And I know that people will say, "Well, Griggs had plenty of chances." That's a fair point. But this season, I would say, based on what I saw, and also from a mental perspective, if he drops Grigg for the Doncaster game, then it's basically saying it's your fault. Because you know how he sticks by well, the I players think generally. If he does yeah. that, if he does yeah. that, it's I think like it kind of shows there's something underlying there because he generally well, sticks look, with the same he sticks with the same group and he give no matter how many mistakes people make, he'll keep giving them a go. Keep giving them a go. They'll give one player will come in, he makes an error, and then it'll be like if he's straight back out again, it just goes to show, hmm. you know. He's basically got a score in every game to stay in the team. Whereas, like we had spells last season, for example, with Wyke. How many league goals did Wyke score last season? About five or six, and he played like every week. So, it, I, um, I can understand why people are having a go at Greg. Like, but it's just a, like my opinion it, would be I'd start him next week if you play in the same system because I'd be thinking from a confidence perspective. You want to say, look, forget about that. He got in. The, he got in the right area on a couple of occasions. If, you get, if we get you two or three balls in that space again this week, I'm backing you to score. But he's not going to. It's interesting that he did. It's interesting that he that he did. Well, we get on that, Craig. I just finishing up on Greg. I think it's interesting that he did sort of call him out or or say that publicly yeah. because as, as as Gareth said, you know, Danny Graham uh, has missed a couple of open goals. I can remember the season. Or, you know, or, or Brian has missed a couple of. Really big sitters, and I can't. I could be wrong, but I can't remember yeah. Parkinson doing that well, when they did it. Aren't they? So he's, he, he signed a couple of planks, and he doesn't want it. But he doesn't want to like put them under the bus, does he? Because Greggy's inherited, um, and he, he's a convenient fall guy. I think for Parkinson, I think he is a convenient fall guy. I think he can, he can, he can dig him out in a way because he kind of knows there's there's a fan. I'm not saying the fans love Graham and uh, and O'Brien, because I, I certainly would say they don't. But there's almost like there's a there's a feeling against Greg. Um, you know, pe- not the people are like desperate for him to fail or anything, but he's an easy target. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's a scapegoat, almost among fans. 
so he can just he can ride that he can ride on that train and it and it's an easy target and I think it speaks to how you know his management style in a way like you say he's willing to protect you know when we played that game against um, was it Rochdale and we were absolutely rotten and Dobson couldn't fa- couldn't pass the ball and he was on about how some of the passing had been good and that and you're just thinking like what what world are you in like what game are you watching. So if he's going to protect players like that, and he keeps, you know, he keeps persisting with the same midfielders and the same midfield and the same setup despite all the flaws, for him to come out and just have a bit of a dig at Grig on his own suggests to me he wants he wants to palm the blame off on someone, and he's just the easy target. And I think it's pathetic. Mm, well, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's interesting. I think that's a good point. Maybe he thinks that you know he doesn't get a transfer budget because Will Grig. You know, he well, symbolised. No, he doesn't get a transfer budget. What went wrong with throwing money at a yeah, at no. a problem that didn't work? No, we we don't get. We haven't mm. got a transfer budget because we didn't have the money to buy Will Grigg. Not really. No. Did we? So, so it would seem not. <laughs> so you know that was like as we saw on Sun until I die. Yeah. That was um, basically like you know a ch- just a child, basically just like. On eBay, like bidding for some like memorabilia, Star Wars memorabilia or something. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Well, I really want this fucking vintage Chewbacca or something. I'm going to keep on spending and spending until I get it, and then I've got it. And you know, I'm going to say I've got it. That's what it felt like. You know, it's like pathetic. It was like let's just like against all advice, this is a bad idea to like buy this thing. And he just went and did it anyway. And now, I think. He kind of feels as though he's owed something as a result of that investment. It's like, well, actually, you were told by the football people at the club not to make that investment, yet you just did it because you wanted to. So it's your problem. Well, he's here now, and as you've said, I mean, people on this podcast have, <coughs> have backed him, and others have asked for him to have a shot. And uh, well, he has. I just think. I mean, he need, like he needs you see, I think games. other players have made his miss. Pardon? He needs a few games, and if the if they're playing that system, then he's just brought him in. He's got to keep him in for for a few games. I know people well, are probably sitting tearing got, their hair you've out. You've got a it, number but... of issues there, right? So well, one the... is sticking with that system, which we'll come on to. But even if you do stick with it, which I don't think they should, but if they do, having White up front with Greg, there's there's no chemistry there at all. It's absolutely like they're they're not even playing as a partnership. White for all he's you know, look, he's not going to be scoring at the rate he has done in the past few weeks, but he was at a different play. He was totally anonymous. He just offered absolutely nothing, and I don't know whether that was partly due to him playing alongside Greg, and that isn't having a go at Greg. It's not his personal fault, but it makes you wonder what they've worked on on the training ground because it didn't they look like strangers. And yeah, it, yeah. it was so weird. He hasn't generally played a second striker either, really, this season, has he? You know, no, that's he's, true. he's kind of that played is, like an attacking midfielder in that second striker, also like Gucho or Maguire. Maguire. Um, O'Brien, even, really, yeah, has kind of dropped well off the link. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, it feels as though now we're in a situation where he's kind of hung his hat on this new sort of three at the back as opposed to last season's three at the back um, and he's desperate to make it work 
and he could argue on paper and the stats again he keeps on talking about stats now um, X that, points that's yeah, the new one yeah, isn't it? That, X he points. Is work, that is working in principle but the players aren't taking the opportunities that they're creating which we've seen that, that's a fair point um, but now no, we've, we've you can't dropped, deny that He's, he is right but we've dropped points to Bristol Rovers we've dropped points to um MK Dons and we dropped points to Rochdale. So if you you know, you can take getting beaten off Portsmouth or you know, we should have beaten Charlton. You know, we've beaten Ipswich and, and Peterborough. In the, when you play the teams around the top six, you're gonna if you get out with a couple of wins, a couple of draws and a couple of losses, you're probably okay. You make the points up by beating a team who's in the bottom five, who hasn't won away from home for a year. That's where you make the points up, um, and we. The problem is we're fit, you know, we're failing to 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 take those. And even if we, even if we convert one of those draw, one of those draws at Rochdale uh, or um, uh, Bristol Rovers into a win, we've got twenty. Yeah. We've, we've, we've got twenty three points or a chart, and I mean that would be a massive result considering their form. But yeah, we'll convert, but we could have won that yeah, as well. Convert one of those into a into a win. You got twenty three points. We're only two points off top. It doesn't look as bad, um, and th- that's where we've fallen down this season um, so far. And the problem is again, and this is what we said when we appointed Parkinson. It's all very well saying, yeah, he plays crap football, but you get you promoted. The problem is if you play crap football, and you don't get promoted. You've just watched a load of crap football and you haven't got promoted. Well, and MK Dons looked like a better football inside yeah. than us. Now, not for the whole game, um, but when they were attacking, some of their interchange in the box, the uh, runners from midfield that were just streaming through our static flat threes that were kind of looked bemused um, about what exactly they were supposed to be doing and where they were supposed to be playing. And I'm looking at that thinking, look, this happens sometimes. A team matches up against a better, an in-series better team, which would be us, and the matchup is just good for the worst team. It does happen in sport. It's why we beat Man City all those times at home, I guess, 1-0. For some reason, that matchup just worked for us. But I think the alarming thing is teams have probably just had a look at what we do, and, and I don't think it's very difficult to play against. I think... That like, I mean, we might let's just start talking about it. The 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 way the system. So I've been talking about this for weeks now, or at least games, because obviously it's two games a week a lot of the time. So it's probably not as many weeks as it feels like, but certainly in game numbers, or number of games rather, you've got two players in that team who are going to contribute most of the goals and create most of the chances, and that's Gucci and Maguire. Now Maguire and Gucci are both streaky players, the flaky. Maguire can look really disinterested, which he did against Mansfield, and to be honest, he deserved to be dropped for that. I thought it was a pretty shocking performance for him. But when he's on the pitch, we look like we might score a goal. Gooch, likewise, he's not everyone, he doesn't always do it. He can be in and out of game, but he, he can run at players, and he can make things happen. His goal record is good. None of our strikers, aside from Wyke, and that's very infrequently that he hits this kind of form that he's hit this season, have got anything like the kind of record they've got in terms of goal involvement. You have to find a way to play them in their best positions. 
That isn't Maguire as some kind of weird floating second striker in a six-man midfield in a 3-6-1 formation. That isn't Gooch as a right wing-back when you've got Dion Sanderson on the bench who can play centre-back or wing-back while you've got 9 who could freshen up an awful, static, slow, laboured midfield. You could play him there even and still have Sanderson at wing-back um, and mix things up that way if you want to stick with this, this system. But my thinking always is in football, you, you, someone made a great reply because I tweeted something about this on the, on, during the match on, to the, from the uh, Wise Men's account and they made a really good point. And I've noticed this as well. The system we're playing creates space so that the centre-backs have lots of the ball. They're not creative players. So we're, just, we're making room for worse players to get more of the ball and getting our best players like 9 like Maguire and Gooch, either off the pitch or out of position. That isn't how you win football matches. You win football matches when you've got players like we have, who are arguably better in the division than a lot of the others that we're coming up against. Play them in the best positions where they're the most effective. To it's, me, that means going back and forth at the back. Well, it's, it's contradictory from him in a way. Like It's conflicting with what we know, because he's, so, he's sort of so rigid with it. And... You know, he won't move away from the system. So you wouldn't expect a manager like that would then play players out of position within the system. It kind of conflicts what he, what he seems to be all about. But so I mean, you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be sitting at home before playing MK Dons who haven't won in over a year away from home and worrying about them. But I was worried about them when I saw that he'd done exactly what he'd done against Paul and put 9 back into the back three and Gooch as a wing-back. I don't because mind. it's just... I don't mind Gooch as much as, as anything from from an attacking point from be. an attack. No, he can, he's okay. He can. Yeah. He's okay there. That's what I'm like, saying. I worry if, about Gooch being there. If needs but be, but if you've got better options, like all nine, you're taking so much from all nine, not letting them get forward. You know, we we aren't that good attacking, and you're just negating all his t- attacking qualities by sticking them in the mm. back three. It's insane, and it's it has odd. a knock-on effect around the team. This is what we keep saying. Yeah. What's and wrong? even if you are absolutely desperate to play it, right, and you have to play 9 there, you play him there because Willis, my God. I mean, I didn't see the game midweek, but I'd heard he didn't look fit in that. He certainly did not look fit on Saturday. He was wrong side all the time. Oh, he's it was naggered. painful. He's naggered. It was absolutely painful. I mean, I don't understand. But that's like, even more so, it's a, you know, what was... San- Sanderson was playing Sanderson, the championship he was on last season to a championship yeah. club. Yeah, yeah. So he must be all right. He Who? must be a better Sanderson. option. Uh, yeah, yeah. he must great? be a better option than an unfit Willis and a, and a an attacking well, Yeah, a centre midfielder two and a half years ago, playing at left centre back. Um, I, I, it's odd. The Sanderson thing is odd because I, I think he's looked okay. Um, he's shown. A good. Sometimes when you see younger centre backs, they, they don't seem to identify danger. Now he's got some flaws, but at the same time, he seems to try and get himself into areas to to block balls. To now he might not. He hasn't always got there in the games he's played. However, but he's identifying the danger. And the problems, and that's like a sign of obviously as a young defender, but somebody who understands defending. Mm. So, I would certainly argue that on Saturday, he needs to, he needs to uh, to play in that game. 
Um, I mean, what's the point in signing? What's the point in signing a centre half and not playing them when you've literally down? You've literally two years centre halves uh, out on loan, and one of them's, you know, nursing a a knee injury, who's you know a ligament injury, haven't had injections to get through games, and has already played um, in the week, so. It, it's so, it's odd. It, it's a it's an this is a this is a problem. I'm so indifferent about Parkinson. It's amazing, by the way. It's like I've got no anything. Like defended him in the basis of his results this season. Yeah, of um, course. But I'm just not. If he left tomorrow, <clears throat> I just would not. I would just wouldn't care. Like I wouldn't feel anything. About it. The thing that I would feel if he left tomorrow is a slight concern that we'd somehow end up with somebody worse. Worse, yeah. That's and the only concern I would have. I don't know. I just because there's I, always not, there's always further you can sink. Yeah. There's always further you can sink, which we know quite well as a football club. Obviously, as we spend our third season in League yeah. One, that you can always get worse. I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not gonna like. You know, slag him off a campaign for him to be sacked because you know. For a number of reasons. Firstly, we're still sixth, and we're still not far off that top two. A point off, a point, yeah, a point off two points per game still. And and, and that's not. And there can be debates about the play, but ultimately it's results. Um, and <clears> the <throat> other reason is I just don't think there's any point because I was vehemently wanted, didn't want him for starters, no, I and I wanted want rid of him. <laughs> when he didn't win a game for two months and we were 15th in the third division and Ugh. we got beaten at home by Burton Albion and we drew at home. Uh, we got beaten away at Gillingham. We drew at home to Bolton and needed a last-minute equaliser at home to Coventry and thing, during that period, well, there was a, well, and we got beat away in the checker trade 3-0 off Bristol, off, sorry, off uh, Scunthorpe and we played a pretty strong team. Stuff like that. Got beaten off Leicester's children at home, you know. If he's not going to get sacked, that was a low point. If, thanks if he, for, thanks yeah. for bringing all this back up. If he's not going yeah, to get, I, I think I, that I was all so in a week. Yeah. I, don't, I know. Pe- <laughs> I know people are saying about a bad week, but I'm sure that Scunthorpe and Leicester game were in the same week. I'm sure they were, but somebody can probably correct me and tell me I'm wrong. But I'm sure they were close. They were close together. But anyway, we we we. You know, if he's not going to get sacked, then he ain't going to get sacked now. So of course he's not. There's no point getting impassioned about getting rid of him because it's just a waste of energy. It ain't going to affect anything. You can't go at the game and like whinge and moan and shout that you want rid of him, and you can't generate that no. atmosphere that you're unhappy that this person is in charge of the team. So it just feels like that's the only place a football fan really. Has got a voice, even though like the the owners do, you know, put a lot of for whatever mm. reason a lot of you know faith in the social media responses to these things. Really, the only way you can influence anything is by being in that ground, and and kind of we've all been part of atmospheres where we know it's the end for that manager <laughs> and. There were, yeah, mul- well, there were multiple them. occasions last season where it felt like that and it never happened. Oh, yeah. So when we're sixth in the league, it ain't going to happen. So there's no point like getting all 
like impassioned about it. Well, I mean, I can understand why people are set up, and oh yeah, you know, I I thought in the midst of when we were. I thought we were dominating games without like dominating them in a way where you would think, oh, you know, this is scintillating or anything. But we looked comprehensively better than teams um, playing this way that he, he set us up. It looked like it was it was fine. It looked it looked like it was working. But then when it started to turn and when he started to have to use on when he, I think that the beginning of this was when he was used on nine and he didn't have to as a centre back against Portsmouth one of the league's better sides and we got absolutely tortured and he's continued to make that error of playing players out of position and the longer it goes on and the more players misfire the worse it looks because the midfield three and a back three together that's like you know you've got a with wing backs as well potentially can be quite defensive in that as well there's no way teams like should be waltzing through us the way MK Dons did. It was it was pitiful. Yeah, it was quite like, easy. Like you it? could go across the whole team as a defensive unit was was just all over the shop. There was no organisation. There was no partnerships. Uh, look, there's players again. We've talked about this with Greg, and we could talk about it with Power as well. He's won this league twice. He looks miles off at the minute. And it's like, Maguire, look, he's done it with other managers as well. And he looked okay as a substitute, although, you know, against Mansfield, he was he was really abhorrent, to be honest. But you're just looking at it thinking, like, why why do they look so out of sorts? Do they know what they're supposed to be doing? I, I mean, I think, I'm not going to rewrite history, Ledbetter's had some really good games, but I have sounded a warning that he's playing probably the easiest role in football if you're playing as this holding midfielder in front of a back three and you've got the years of experience he has you should be good at it to be honest and he was found out really bad I would say he was the worst of the midfield on Saturday because he's in the easiest role and he made it look really really hard and yeah, he got you need, you need right. his leg, you need his legs and around him and he, he didn't have any of that um, well, I agree with that as well I, but then <coughs> so you think well could you not just have a better way of doing what is having the extra centre back what's the benefit of it at the minute there isn't one we're not solid we're not keeping teams out we haven't got enough players to play in those positions so why didn't he line up on Saturday you could argue part of the reason might be that Hume needs extra help well as far as I'm concerned Power as the left centre midfielder in a 4-3-3 in three, three, can drop in and cover him we did that when we had Van Arnold as a left wing back. As in a back four, he was virtually a wing back in a back four. There's no reason we can't set the team up tactically to cover some sort of minor weaknesses, if you like. It's just odd that um, we've abandoned that. You know, he wanted to, he wanted to get that extra body up front. That's fine. Okay, but, but it's what shit, was what it? was it wrong? Work. What was wrong with you know the like Maguire, um, White and, and Gooch had a good relationship and obviously O nine yeah and and Hume. Like really that's five attacking players that and they had a good understanding and relationship and it's, we scored some nice goals, like some nice play and changing and cutbacks, people running onto the ball. Um and 
obviously not in the change of system it's basically you've roaded that that opportunity obviously the full backs as well now they can't get on they can't get beyond very often so whereas before when we had almost like Maguire and Gooch they were wider but they were really kind of free roles on either side really where they could come inside they could go outside they could switch if they wanted to and they gave the, the full backs the option to overlap and get down the line to get crosses in and, mm. and get to the byline whereas now it feels a lot of our crosses into the box from deeper areas um, and obviously mm. those crosses are not as effective um, as, as ones that I could back from the byline um, so you were looking at sometimes the, the full backs quite isolated about 30 yards from a goal on that left side or right side maybe doubled up on so they've got to try and work an opportunity to try and get a ball in there it, that percentage wise I'm sure there'll be stats out there that says like percentage wise conversion from a ball from that area is just nowhere near as likely as if you get to the line and get a ball back into the box so and we were doing a lot of that last year so I'm not saying it would be revisionist to say that this season we should that things haven't worked in the change of system because we've won games and we're, we're still in a solid position but it when you start losing that's when the when you've lost to like you know, MK Dons at home, and you've got an opportunity to to get up to third in the league, <clears throat> and you haven't been playing well previously, and you've been eking out results. You just leave yourself open to being taken apart, and but, and that's what's so going to happen now. One of the reasons it worked as well was because players like Willis on the right could get forward and support the wing-back and the wide player, probably Maguire. So that, that system worked nicely because we had centre-backs playing well in those sort of uh, positions either side of, well, it was right initially, then his injury gave us problems using this system before the season was curtailed anyway because I think one of the reasons he wanted to change it was that it wasn't working it, when the season got cut short. It had stopped working a bit. And I think he wanted more bodies in the box, so he wanted a player with more of a a dual threat up front. But the problem, again, that'll come back to, whether it's play, you're creating room for centre-backs who either shouldn't be playing there because they're central midfielders or aren't that comfortable on the ball because you, you, you just... You, you make Everything about it's just wrong. You could play a 4-3-3 there and you could just have a defensive right-back like McLaughlin when he and obviously that wouldn't have worked on Saturday because he was away on international duty but you can have a defensive type of right back at right back you could even put all nine in midfield offer you a bit of variety because the midfield needs some variety uh, uh, and if it isn't him it's got to be obviously I, I know Embleton wasn't available because he was injured on a weekend <coughs> but someone like him is going to have to come into the team at some point if you're going to stick with this because he's, at least he'll try and force things and it won't just be Ponderous, two steps on the ball, turn round, play it back, or scouring, getting to the edge of the box and launching it about twenty uh, rows into the into the south or north stand. It needs to be something different. It, it, that midfield's atrocious. It, it's just it's just garbage. Yeah, it certainly is. It's almost a shame we don't have a midweek game to put it right. We'll have a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll just have another quick five ten minutes on what we think about the the news that's leaked out about the ownership situation. Mm. 
Okay, if you are looking for some casual football gear in the form of long sleeve polo, short sleeve polos, t-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, hoodies, g-layers, or the new oversized shirts, then where should people be looking for that, Craig? From the terraces. Which Garrett's favourite phrase when he does this is, it's 10% off your basket, the WMS 10. <laughs> off the basket is always a key part of the phrase, I think. So there you go. It is key. You get the top quality gear with your 10% off as well. What more can you ask for? If you use yeah, the code the WMS10. The um, overshirts do look really good as well. Do you say oversized shirt? <laughs> Initially, I Overshirts. Thought, I thought you said oversized shirts. I might have done. I might. Maybe I did. I, I guess I have to be oversized to be it's over. overshirt, obviously. Yeah, but anyway. Maybe I've got the terminology wrong. Everyone knows what I mean. Yeah. Everyone well, knows yeah. what I mean. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Ten percent off though. It's Christmas as well, so it's it a is, good time really. to go well, and get Christmas those. Decorations up out there at the minute, isn't there already? Oh, Mid November. We'll not, we'll not uh, go down that road, but it's getting earlier, isn't it? It um, is. I guess people, people are dying bored. for some cheer at the minute. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. if it's one year, it's forgivable. I guess it will be this one. Um, so go and get your ten percent discount from the terraces. Uh, WMS ten. Right. Ownership situation. I mean, we've made our position clear up until now, some more than others as well, but we, I think generally as a collective we've been very sceptical, haven't we, when, when we were given the information that um, the clubs were in a period of exclusivity with somebody and I think rumours starting to circulate now that the club haven't denied um, that this young 22-year-old uh, what can go wrong with having a 22-year-old owner? Um, <laughs> is, is perhaps... Le- do we call this a takeover if this is true or to move around? I mean, Stuart Donald and Charlie Medford made it clear that they uh, knew they weren't welcome here and they were going to leave. So that's not the case. So does a class qualify as a takeover or does this qualify as get somebody in order to put some money in until we can get what we want for the club because nobody's given us some money what we want for at the moment. I think I just think that they're hanging on until they get. If you get promoted, they'll sell their shares at a premium. And I think that's you know maybe they'll do a deal with the with these people saying you, you know they're not going to get they're not going to get you know what they want immediately. But if we get promoted or when we get promoted, <clears throat> that's when they'll buy the shares and, and they'll do all right out of it maybe that's a speculation I don't know but it's it, uh, you know it, 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 I think the interesting thing is if you think about what happened in the summer with um, Tony Corton and um, Richard Hill and they were very much Donald's men weren't they and it appeared that there'd been some sort of fallen out there or some sort of disagreement or a different attitude to the approach that's required between them and Rodwell which led to them being removed it's quite interesting that Rodwell was given license to to make that decision Um, and obviously it was an indication that Donald's kind of influence on the football club even as owner or majority shareholders waning basically his interests waning in that in that regard so even though he has that percentile 
of the club still, maybe it won't make much of a difference in terms of influence. As I say, maybe it's just got that token amount of, of shares there to just, you know, when the time comes, he'll, he'll sell them and he'll be happy with the amount of money that he'll get at the point he sells them than he would be now. The question is, though, whether this reshuffle, whatever you want to... I guess if someone ends up with a majority of shares, it is effectively a new owner. I mean, the ownership would still be split between several parties, but they would have the kind of majority decision-making power, I suppose, as the majority shareholder. But someone who's owned a fifth of the club has probably had less of a say than a person who's owned 6% of the club. So Methven when uh, during the first season of ownership had a lot more say um, in the running of the club than Juan Satori appeared to and you know maybe it's you know this is it like it's you know, the, the Satori thing we've been told repeatedly that he's going to become more involved <laughs> yeah. and well maybe this was the involvement that yeah. we're talking about he's biding his time some, yeah. recruiting someone else to, to come in but I mean that, that's immediately what made me sceptical. Not that, uh, you know, it might happen. I'm not saying it's not going to happen or anything like that. But even if it does happen, what would it mean when someone who's basically rolling the whole thing so far just seems to have been to give a sense, this flavour of it's an international consortium. He doesn't seem to have had any real yeah. input in any no. other way. I, I, don't, I don't know what it means that he's now suddenly a big player or meant to be perceived as a big player which they've wanted him to be perceived as in the past but the percep- perception's useless doesn't, doesn't just seems like just things. just seems like figureheads doesn't it and you That's know a, a way for them just to sort of get what they want and stuff and we know the people have well, I guess the, the, po- offered them the positive <clears throat> for the club and they haven't you know, taken it their fam- their you know this this young lad's family in terms of his you know historically of been involved in football clubs. I mean, that's not a terrible thing, I guess. If you were trying to like find some sort of positive in there, and obviously yeah, you say some sort didn't of positive. Dave Whelan's sort of son-in-law take over Wigan though, and, and things went spiral downwards quite quickly. Didn't he move on to a different football club as a sporting director or something? I can't remember. Oh, I'm not sure. His nephew. I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, yeah, was, he, was he son? I thought it was his son. It was his oh, nephew, I, I think. Um, I think wouldn't it? You, if it was, a, but if it was a proper sort of, it was a takeover. It's a new direction. It's all this and that, right? You wouldn't expect them all to be hanging around still um, as part of it, as no. a part of a kind of conglomerate. And again, especially when they're acknowledging of, that they're going to leave. But it's uh, just weird. It's I, just a strange setup that the person who's done the least he's had the least say is somehow connected to bringing this new person in from out of seemingly out of nowhere presumably because Satori's got like connections in France so his own his father-in-law or whatever his connection to money is I don't know I mean we can hope it's it's for the best but you think if you think about all I'm not I'm not I'm not saying I'm not sceptical myself but you know do we look too much into these things I mean How much influence did the variety of members of the Drummerville Consortium have individually on the running of the football club? It was an investment. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, that was spread across six, though. seven you, people. You, you, yeah, um, I mean, I, but that was a takeover. 
That's oh, true. No, it, I know you may know it. It is, you know, some people well, might about influence. Him, but have more of an idea in their mind of, yeah. of how to run a club so or my, how to do what you're, you're right. What and, you're your point, I think, and your point as well on Methven, how he had 6% and he's the, you know, the biggest gobshite of a lot of them. So the, the point, <laughs> I guess the point is just because they still retain the stake, I mean, it doesn't mean I'm not sceptical about them and try and look at this from a like an impartial perspective, if you will, that no, just because they retain that stake doesn't mean that that they're going to have any influence. I think they're just sitting there waiting, and then they're going to cash that cash that out when they can make as much money as they possibly can. That that is my so opinion. My on question there. then would be, why don't what what's the point in bringing this guy in? Well, 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 I think we'll see what we. It'd be interesting to see. You know, we, we'll. I think before we go too deep into it, we, we'll have some sort of takeover no, episode, and we'll get we'll get yeah. Chris on every week. Give the fans what they want, and um, <laughs> and but it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if it gets confirmed and what this guy's like. Whether he comes and he's just quiet like one and doesn't really say anything or do anything, or whether he comes out with all these massive promises and massive ideas that, that I guess we'll just have to wait and see before we we speculate too much what being, on that really to, to from, um, we've pa- got a- from Parkinson's perspective sorry I was going to say this is probably not a good time for him to have two tough games in the next three weeks leading yeah. into potentially a change of ownership if you will um, you know if he'd say he loses to Doncaster and Fleetwood and new owners come in hmm I would say he's actually. I would say he's actually under pressure at that point. Yeah. Well, this is just to finish on what you were saying about the six percent thing again, Stephen, and how the the split doesn't necessarily mean such any individual has more or less influence than another just because of the percentages. I think mm. my overall point was, for them to remain on, doesn't suggest that the influence is going to go entirely another way. Because why wouldn't the guy just? buy the club outright why does he need to keep them around yeah if it isn't because some kind of continuity which it, unless you know he is going to come in and wield the axe and get rid of the manager uh, it just seems to me like they're looking for continuity I don't know I, d- I disagree and I wouldn't be surprised they'd accepted less money on the premise that they retain some shares and then when the point comes mm. where the shares become more lucrative at that point the, the takeover would happen but that's that's just a speculation. I'm well, sure that's we... fair, fair enough. It's a good argument. So, well, like we point. know, people people like to invest in Stuart Donald. So maybe just that's it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> we, we've we've got a week to stew over this now. Um, quite depressing, but the uh, lads will be back on Thursday, and hopefully we've got more pos- a more positive discussion this time next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>